0: luck on sunday brought to you by whirlpool bet with the world okay field of four in the studio for this week's talking points which which we've already linked to so i thought they went particularly well solid start um, the first of them is handicap restrictions this is something that we've spoken about Um, a little bit last week we've spoken about throughout the week as well Um, Gordon Elliott has spoken about it because I guess that um, Dave Yates this is something that Fields has been levelled at him in a way. Re the Grand National with only 34 runners
1: coming uh, coming
0: in. Look, look, it's a, it's a it's a it's a a, a leaked muted
1: proposal at this yeah. stage. How likely do we think it is? I personally think it's pretty unlikely. Uh, it's a good story this by Bill Barber in Tuesday's Racing Post uh, that the, the the BHA is is sounding out. Uh, Participants to practitioners to uh, get their views on the limiting of four horses per trainer in class one or two handicaps. A couple of things: I, I'm not going to uh, hog the floor about this. It's much rarer than you think. I think it is aimed at Gordon Elliott or Willie Mullins in the Grand National, um, and I think it's like British racing. It's like me having a chronic disease. I have a little spot on the end of my nose and the doctor chooses to take that off rather than address the issue that that is causing it. It, it, It's not about... We know where the strength comes from and that needs to be addressed rather than than this short-term clipping. I don't like it at all. Paul? A
2: lot of thought needs to go into this and a lot of discussion if any changes are going to be made. I did actually think after the number of the field of the nationals reduced to 34, perhaps in that race it might be sensible to have a restriction on the number any one team, i.e. owner or trainer, could have, like, no more than five. Because, you know, everybody who wants to run in the national it's always going to be four, and for one team to have, say, eight, ten or twelve horses in the race I think goes against the spirit of things a little bit. And I, that was what I had in my mind, perhaps, you know, you could not just restrict an owner or a trainer or a team to, say, let's say, five, that's enough for anyone in the national and it gives everyone else a chance.
0: It's, it's, it's something that, that you know Gordon Ellis, he, he's made the point throughout the week, which I which I hear and, and buy into, that if he is limited, it's not always that he has the same amount running for, 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 for the owner. Quite, yeah. quite often he, he would be in a position there where he's having to ring around owners saying, well, you can't go, you can't go, you can't go. Should, should we be limiting owners, not trainers? I would say probably owners rather than trainers,
3: but what I'd probably disagree with is some people enter horses up in the sales at Cheltenham two days before to and people will buy them to have a guaranteed runner in the national and generally they're not competitive. That's probably um, a wrong thing. I think horses probably need to be informed going into the race but you know, when you're entering a horse in the sales you're not one to run it just to make a few quid and um, then just to have a runner. I'd probably disagree with that.
1: I just wonder, Paul, right? so you've got However, you're allowed four runners in the Grand National, or the, whatever, yeah. wherever it might be, right? So, we've, we've, let's let's turn the clock back historically to all those big owners that you've trained mm. for. You know, we're, we're working from 2005 onwards. Mm. So, some are alive, some are not involved in the mm. game anymore. How the hell do you sort in a handicap? It's not like a, it's not a. Uh, a, a conditions race where you say, yeah. well, look, that one's not going to win, so we're... How, how, do, you, how do you sort yeah, that out with owners? It's easy. If everyone knew that was the situation, you'd run your best four. But, what, the four
2: highest rated? Yeah, but you, if you were limited to a number, you, you would run your best four horses, wouldn't you?
1: What, the ones with the four highest ratings, yeah. with the, uh, with yeah, the biggest if everyone weights? everyone knew that
2: in the front, every owner, every connection would know that was the qualification of the race, and if they weren't in, within that team's high enough, they wouldn't run.
1: So the guy with the fifth horse...
2: It's finished, finished, National, finished third
1: it? in the Cheltenham Gold Cup. It yeah, hasn't, yeah, hasn't, yeah. hasn't, <laughs> hasn't got a, uh, a, a readjustment of its rating, and it's the, it's the four to one favourite. It's not so easy then. Yeah, but... There could right, be I another, another look, fallout. There could maybe. be an apology <laughs> coming here in a minute. Yeah, Ips mean, no,
2: it, a big word, isn't it? Well, there we are. We'll see. I think a lot of discussion needs to go into it.
0: Safeguarding. So this was uh, on Wednesday, a document released by the VHA, um, highlighting a study over a number of years into the sport uh, and safeguarding in British horse racing. Uh, there were there was some, some minor offences picked up, uh, uh, all the way to deviate some some very serious allegations as well.
1: Yeah, this, this um, was an apology by Julie Harrington with regard to uh, this report, as you say, into the safeguarding issue, nearly a half of over 350 uh, reported incidents being investigated by the safeguarding department since 2018 uh, were for sexual misconduct or bullying. So I'm I'm consulting my notes so I get the figures Mm -hmm. uh, right. 22% were for bullying, 26% were sexual misconduct. Of that 26%, 41% Forty-one percent were for sexual assault, rape, or attempted rape. So, obviously, those are frightening uh, figures. And uh, Julie Harrington said that that British Racing was determined to get it right. Uh, those are those are figures. I'm sure that um, if if you asked us to to put a number on on a, a breakdown of incidents like that I'm, I'm pretty sure that, uh, that that we would be very surprised by those numbers I mean obviously staffing is a is a massive issue in in British racing at the moment and that environment needs to be it needs to be a happy one and a, a, a good one to work in but more than anything else it has to be a safe one and I, and one of the, the, the questions that was raised or, or, or one of the, the
0: key points was whether or not uh, an obvious increase in cases is because we are in a situation where things are getting worse or whether or not it's a willingness of people to come forward and i think the consensus was without just trying to spin a positive on this for the sake of it consensus was there's more of a willingness from people in the racing industry to come forward which can only be a good thing but do you think um dave that that you know ultimately racing clearly there is a problem it has a problem and it and it and it needs to modernize
3: yeah um <laughs> a lot of people are old-fashioned and racing probably does need to step up to the plate i'm astonished by the figures i was reading that myself um last night um couldn't believe that i've worked in racing as a stable lad jockey and worked in yards all the years up along and um i'm astonished. like there, there's always incidences along the way but couldn't believe the figures uh that are coming out i'd, I'd even find them hard to believe but there obviously is facts to them but um racing is changing and I think people are stepping up to the plate and, um, and a lot of the old-fashioned mindset and things is changing and it probably needs to continue to
0: change as well going forward. Uh, frankly, Tory, um, uh, sports sports at of the year and, and some comments um, <coughs> that he made about if he was starting a career now, it might not necessarily be here. We're very glad he did start here. Um, obviously, you know, we are going to, to, to miss him over here. What, what, what did you make of what you had to say? I was highly insulted
3: by, with, with those comments coming out, if I'm honest. Um, to come out and say that where this country has made his career, it's made my career, and um, I've only good things to say about it, to say that at the end of your career, I think, was uh, didn't leave a good taste in my mouth, if I'm honest. Dave?
1: Yeah, I thought it was unfortunate. Um, in the, like When you have a raft of quotes by a quotable person, your ears prick up when something... You know, like with the Gordon Elliot was the Gordon Elliot response to the to the handicap uh, issue on Nick Luck's podcast. He talked for ninety seconds and then said the word lunacy, and I was seen, driving in the car, okay. and it's like, well, there's your, Ooh. you know, there's your headline if you're writing that. Dismissed as lunacy, such and such. So this quote was sort of in the middle of a raft of quotes and it was pulled out for the headline. Completely legitimately, I've got no problem with that at all. I think it was a, um, a very unfortunate uh, thing to say uh, when you consider that it was only on October the 21st or 19th, whatever it was that he came back aboard King of Steel and that, you know, you've got that uh, whatever that song is, da 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 da. What is that? Is it something? Nation Army or something? Yeah, Seven yeah, it's the White Stripes, Nation it? Right. Army. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you know, he's up to date with his music. Very good.
3: So it's sort of. I'm, um, tapp- I'm tapping my foot now as uh, when he's doing it.
1: <laughs> um, you know, it, it, Frankie has had a, an incredible career. He's given an awful lot to racing. He's benefited hugely from racing and not just financially the the sort of the the adoration that follows him around and and it's it's been brilliant to cover it I was really sorry that he said that Um, with regards to sports personality of the year let's not obsess about this McCoy won it once uh, Frankie was third once Holly was third and we all sort of like (laughs) Loads of money was spent on these cardboard cutouts which we were trying to like nick from race courses and put in the back of the car. Well we um for, oh, yeah. <laughs> just just to yourself. Just, 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 yeah. Great British <laughs> Racing
3: really <laughs> got behind um, yeah. AP for that year yeah. and there's been no real campaign for Frankie this year. Obviously I, I love watching I'm a celebrity, watched him in there and I'll be honest, as a jockey, you wake up you're, you know what you're doing every day. He looked he looked bored. He looked absolutely bored inside in the jungle. If, I, if I'm honest, uh, he didn't look like yes, he. He jumped up when he was the first voted out. Um, but I don't feel um, people are ga- are getting behind him um, for this year's sports personality. Year.
1: It, it didn't make any <laughs> difference, though, did it? Like everyone, you know, this thing. Oh, vote for AP. All these campaigns, and like, oh, this is gonna this is gonna winch us to safety if we need winching to safety, etc. But. It won't make any difference and, you know, you also know, let's be honest about it, BBC TV, they want Mary Earps to win this. They've got, yeah. the, they've got the rights to the, to the football anyway so they can show Mary Earps in action. Uh, racing will be like just floating across a few uh, still images and it'll get buried when everyone goes out to make a cup of tea.
0: National hunt horse inflation, Paul Nichols coming to you on this, which is um, regarding the the fact that national hunt horses are, are costing about as much as ever, but um, prize money is staying pretty static. How do, you, how do you level that? How much of a problem is that for you when you're, when, when you're racing horses and going to the sales, or is it just how it is? Uh,
2: it is tough to buy them, but to be honest, it just shows how popular the sport is, because his market forces drive that, and there's a lot of people who want to be buying proper national hunt horses. And, It's very competitive to buy them. Um, But it just... You know, national hunt racing is a hobby, first and foremost. Everybody's in it because they love the game, they want to have nice horses. We all want more prize money. We always want more. And it is is slowly improving. Um, But at the end of the day, I think it just shows the health of the sport and the fact that so many people want to invest in it. And that, that seems to be across the board.
0: Would you be better off... Potentially financially, if you were doing it with flat horses, this syndicate, or not? Um, no,
3: I'd say, but it's quite interesting. Like, um, you, you, we bought two horses the other day for 115 and 100 grand. Um, when we sell those horses on, they'll be worth 5% of what we paid for them. But if we can get those horses to win a race that's worth 5,000, those owners will have the time of their lives. If we said to the owner, right, we're taking this horse to France, and we could win you a 100 grand or to win a race in england for five grand they will take england every day of the week just they no one cares about the owners um in one way don't care about the prize money it's getting up on the podium and having that winning feeling which is a little bit of the wrong attitude you know you want to be rewarded for um for your horse winning particularly when you've paid a 100 grand for one as such but if you if i said to all the owners you can go over Pick up 20 grand for finishing second in France or have a winner here they would pick a winner here every but, but day of but week. is that
0: just a syndicate
3: mindset uh, I well, it'd be interesting to ask Paul because he's got the owners. Yeah, what,
0: what, what do you think? Well,
2: the, the people invest in, in, in with Dave because it's a hobby. They love doing it, and they're not in it necessarily for the project. It's their hobby, and they love the sport. They love the people, and everybody involved in it. But your top end owners as well. You know, they, they can afford to invest in, in better horses. They're harder to buy, but they they do it because they want part they of want that action at that top. They want to, yeah, they want to be number one. They want to be at Chantler or Aintree or Sandland, all those big meetings, and. Um, they do it for, it's not a case of it's a business, I suppose. They do it because they love the game. They want to be involved in it. And that's the overriding thing I feel, that people are so enthusiastic about the sport, they enjoy it and they want to be part of that.
3: It's like most trainers or jockeys. They don't make a proper living. You probably think um, they're worth millions, um, these jockeys and all that. Maybe Frankie de Tory is, but you do it for the love of the game, um, you should get rewarded for it, footballers, players get rewarded for it, but if you, I, I spent all my year battling as a jockey and I used to do other things to afford to be a jockey and I'd tell you the kind of the mindset that you have to have in racing because financially you never get rewarded but you get rewarded in other ways.
0: Tony Martin has received a, a six-month ban handed out by the IHRB for failing a, a third dope test with a, a runner in four years. Um, the, 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 the six-month ban on the figures, is, uh, I guess, is, is largely unsurprising. The, the, the fact that this is a, a third misdemeanour in that time is... I, I, mean, I for, for Tony and for the sport over there, it's, a, it's, it's eyebrow-raising.
1: Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, we've spent... Uh, the early part of Talking Points, talking about the super trainer, obviously those who have got massive numbers uh, in their care. I don't think anyone would describe Tony Martin as a super trainer in terms of the numbers, but we know that he's as sharp as a cutthroat razor, and we also know that he's uh, in no way a stranger to big success, flattened jumps in Britain. Um Excuse me for consulting my notes, Tom, because I want to get this right. This case uh, surrounded his horse, First Man, uh, who tested positive for uh, lidocaine, which is a metabolite of cocaine, uh, after winning at Dundalk in January 2018. Um, In the the IHRB hearing on Thursday... um, it was it was found by uh, dr. Lynn Hillier the IHRB head of anti-doping uh, that the horse had been treated with cartrophen uh, twice which is um, a, a drug that that treats arthritis um, she concluded that that there must have been an issue with the horse but didn't know uh, what it was um, Tony Martin's opinion was that the the horse uh, had picked this up probably from newspaper bedding at Dundalk, which uh, was disputed by the track. Uh, it was noted that nine horses, including first over, had been uh, tested with uh, blood and hair or t- had given blood and hair samples on uh, February the 1st uh, of that year and that they all came back negative. So, therefore, that they concluded that it was unlikely the horse had been administered. Uh, the lidocaine on uh, the premises, but the long and short of this is that it was his third offence, as you said, in four years, following Moonmeister and Patsy's Honor. And any such breach in the next two years, and Tony Martin's out of the sport for six months.
0: David Egan has joined Ammo Racing, so he is the, the, the third retained rider for the team. Obviously, uh, Ross Orion started there, and then uh, Kevin Stott um, was uh, based there last year, and now uh, David Egan has, has been employed there. I guess um, it's... It, if, if you're happy to be coming to you yep. on this cross, it, it's... Unsurprisingly, he's taken the job. I guess unsurprisingly, he's been offered the job because of, of the um, pool of people out there who would be in line for it. He'd probably be at the at the top end for it. I guess the slight concern some may have um, is whether they're going to commit to him or not because history would raise concerns about that. But, you know, there may have been, you know, all sorts of reasons as to why they've had two jockeys and and, and, and they haven't continued with them, suggested. Ultimately, um He's going to get to the chance to sell some really good horses 100 um it's a great
3: opportunity for me uh he had 58 winners last year he's got some high quality horses royal ascot winners um it's a great job to get um there'll obviously be a lot of pressure involved as well uh in one way you're probably thinking i you know, hope he has a good contract signed with no get out clauses along the way over two years considering kevin only lasted seven months but he only had a year's contract as well but it's obviously a very big job to have, obviously he was with Roger Varian, it'll be interesting to see, he's been there since a kid, so I'd like like to think he'll still be going in there every day, he works very hard, David Egan, he's a very good jockey, he's only 24 as well, it's a, it is a big opportunity, I hope it goes right, I hope they stay loyal to him, um, because he is obviously, a, he's a good man. Um, and he, we don't want to see him just flashing in. He's only in the game just over three years now. We want to these these big people that come in and spend a lot of money. They can come come and go as quick as they or they can go as quick as they come as such. So
0: I hope um, I hope he stays loyal and um, hope it works out. And he he was the retained rider for Prince Faisal, and that ended rather abruptly as well. And people had sympathy. Read that, I guess, like any employer of a of a rider, and you get it in the jumps game and the flat game. Um, yeah, they don't have to stick with these riders for a certain amount of time and quite often individuals at, at the top of those organisations can be quite volatile people, given, the, given the, the nature of the success in their life, right?
2: Yeah, it doesn't happen so much jumping uh, retained riders, It's more on the flat these days, but I'd say it's a good job for David Egan, but a challenging job.
0: Mm. Dido Harding has been uh, named um, right at the, the top of the, the jockey club. Um, she, she obviously comes here, Dave Yates, with um, a, a pretty rich CV regarding horse racing, um, obviously then some high-profile roles during the pandemic which largely um, were, were not necessarily considered successes. Is this a good appointment for the jockey club and a good appointment for racing?
1: I think it's a... Uh... I, I complain often that racing's obsessed by optics and, you know, the the cush whip is the my, my bet noir in that is, it's not a welfare issue, but we're going to do this, that and the other with it. I think, in terms of optics, this is a bad look. Uh, on the plus side, Dido Harding has uh, a huge interest in uh, in horse racing, own cool dawn, road cool dawn, um, and isn't one of these itinerant sports people who comes from one sport and then... Spends a couple of years here and then goes elsewhere. It's an unpaid role, by the way. Yep. I don't know how long the list of candidates was. On the negative side, uh, there was the data breach at TalkTalk Talk when she was in charge there. She's a Tory peer. She's married to a Conservative MP. Um, she is she she is mired in the in the the charmocracy of the uh, of, of the. Uh, of the the COVID pandemic and and how various contracts were were handed out, and she's also one of the people who profited hugely from that financially. Uh, my own view, you know, I've said on this program before, I'm a, I'm a Labour Party member, and whilst Keir Starmer has sort of turned the the Labour Party a bit of a shade of blue to get elected, it's it's pretty likely that they will get elected from. The jockey club's point of view why they would maneuver in that specific direction you know i I know jeremy corbyn's not in the jockey club by the way but that seems a very strange decision to me that in terms of substance you could like i say her involvement with the sport her love of the sport her knowledge of the sport and the fact that she is female albeit a public school female if, if you're if you're looking for the uh inclusivity aspect of it, and she's the first female senior steward of the Jockey Club, but those other aspects of it, the, the political aspects of it, the, um, the aspects of it that will reach the man or woman in the street, does this, does this project a, a modern organisation that's, that's doing its best to change, well, people will make their own minds up. Uh,
0: Chelmsford Challenge, this was a, an article in the, the Post earlier on this week. Um, well, there it is, Chelsea City could challenge BHA in courts over anti-competitive fixture process. The fact that Chelsea feel they don't get a, enough of the fixture list and, in, in, indeed, those um, specific BHA fixtures, they and threaten threatened them with with court action. Uh, I suppose, Paul, this raises the, the, the larger question of, of whether or not um, the, the, the top-tier tracks are given too much preference, re the, the big fixtures.
2: I wouldn't know where to start on this... Um... It's not my subject, really, yet. I hadn't hadn't read that story, and they're obviously upset that
0: they're not getting enough fixtures. but I'm sure there's a number of courses like that. Um. Yeah, I I guess they're the ones that have been willing... I think, in, in, in particular... It, 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 this comes from how they feel in compare in comparison to the other all-weather
1: tracks. Yeah. Right. Is that right? It, well, letter before action sent from Chelmsford City to the BHA. Anyone who's ever had a letter before action, uh, which, you know, unfortunately, I have in my profession, but it never went to court, and that's yeah. the main thing. Um, what it's, you No, go on. It's, <laughs> a, you know, it's a solicitor saying, right, we're, we're going to take you to court, and it's basically... Make them put, prick their ears. It's to put yeah. the frighteners yeah. on yeah, you, yeah, yeah, essentially. Yeah. Now, the problem with this is that... Uh, the fixture list 85% believe it or not of the fixtures these days are racecourse fixtures 15% are BHA fixtures under the control of the BHA with regard to Chelmsford city in 2024 they have 41 fixtures of which only 12 so you, the, the the percentages are reversed if you see what i mean are racecourse fixtures so 29 are BHA so um the the, the letter before action Uh, alleges that the the BHA's way of allocating fixtures uh, is unlawful and anti-competitive we're winding the clock back here to uh, the 2003 ruling by the Office of Fair Trading which uh, then against the then BHB took away the BHB's control of the fixture list and ruled that anti-competitive which in my opinion, was the the single worst thing that ever happened to British racing. Mm. Uh, And we'll see how this unfolds.
0: You may have noticed there are no croissants, but there is good reason for that, because we're going to be having a drink soon. That's it for this week's Talking Points. Luck on Sunday. Brought to you by Whirlpool. Bet with the world.